Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I am so excited to share this episode with you. I just wanted to let you know that I did do a lot of video editing for this one, and it is worthwhile checking out the video version of this podcast. Um, It's perfectly okay to listen to it. I think you'll understand everything, but there is some video that you'll be missing. So if you want to check out the video version of this podcast, go to my YouTube channel, Inspired Artist Podcast with Porter Singer. And while you're at it, please subscribe and like the video. That will help me immensely. Thank you very much in advance. But here we'll get into the audio version of the podcast. I can't wait for you to hear all about this. All right, here we go. All right, so this is a really exciting episode of the podcast because I'm gonna tell you all about that time last weekend when I was at the Newport Folk Festival watching Brandi Carlisle, and she told us there was gonna be a little bit of a surprise. And so I will, spoiler alert for for the end, it was Joni Mitchell. Um, So I'm gonna tell you all about it because I was there and I'm seeing all these videos and articles and whatever like uh, all over the internet. And I'm like, this was historic and I was there. I felt so blessed to be there as it was, I didn't realize I think I did realize what a big deal it was, but I didn't realize that so many people would hear about it so quickly. Um, So I'm just gonna like tell you what it was like. So I guess the final night of the Newport Folk Festival, um, I'm not sure how many times she's done it, but I know she did it last year, Brandi Carlisle. And so it was billed as Brandi Carlisle and Friends. Oh, and I wanna give a little, um, another little, exciting thing that happened at the festival because that was the day before is that I was watching um I can't remember I had a funny pun folk name but I was watching some uh some sort of like variety show thing on one of the other stages and they announced that Natalie Merchant was coming on and so I thought that was like pretty epic um I could have I I, I would have been satisfied with that one because I'm a huge Natalie Merchant fan but um this was this was way more epic what actually happened the next day so I was pretty tired and I almost didn't go. Um, So I'm so glad that I did not uh, listen to that and got myself out of the door and onto the water taxi and into the festival. Um, These tickets that I got were pretty kismet to begin with because my friend who is a performer for weddings actually was gifted two tickets last minute and you have to understand that the Newport Folk Festival sells out in the first I think four minutes that they go on sale when they do like months and months before the actual festival begins so the fact that we got into the festival to begin with was pretty amazing I wasn't expecting it I I wasn't traveling there for the festival but it was kind of like a bonus um, possibility that maybe we could get in or maybe we could find somebody with a boat that would be able to, you know, get us close and we could listen to the music. But what ended up happening was so much better. So we got two free passes. And unfortunately, my friend didn't come the second day because she was playing for the wedding that gave her these tickets. So, um, but she encouraged me to go by myself. So I went and I saw the roots and I, and then I saw um, Brandy Carlisle. And so I got pretty close to the stage. You'll see I have some, I have some videos. Unfortunately, my phone battery was dying. So I wasn't, I didn't keep the brightness on my phone very high. And when I was holding the camera, I couldn't really tell what I was holding it up to, but you'll get the audio. Um, I'll share a bunch of videos. And um, 
I also was like moving around because I wasn't about to not enjoy my experience just to have good video. So um, it's a little bit, <laughs> it's a little bit funny looking video and there's probably some, some better video out there, but this is my video. So it's, it's special to me. Anyway, I, I was excited to see Brandy Carlisle because I love Brandy Carlisle. You gotta dance with the devil on a river to beat the stream. they played her on this radio station that I listened to um, it was the radio station was from upstate New York and I was in Connecticut and they would play all sorts of really great artists that weren't on the the, the radio radio um, and Brandi Carlisle was one of them and I remember really loving her voice and then when I saw her at the Grammys a couple years ago I think uh, I was just so excited because it was like the other person that that radio station would play was Sia so I I've been a Sia fan for a really long time and I think it's really cool to see people grow in their careers um, to those heights and also to see it as like this long, elongated process because I think that um, so much of the time we assume that people that rise to stardom, it just sort of happens in like, you know, an instant, but it is really, it's, you know, for some people it happens faster than others, but still there's like so much groundwork that's laid before something like that happens most of the time. So, so excited to see Brandy Carlisle on the bill for the Newport Folk Festival. So excited that I decided to go. I listened to about, well, we all listened to about four of her songs. Um, and she did, the last two were the joke, and then she did the song that I hadn't heard before that was about being gentle, which was really sweet. And then she said something like, so if you guys have heard me perform before, you'll know that I'm acting really weird, which I hadn't, so I didn't realize she was acting weird, but she's like, it's just because, you know, I'm usually really chatty, but I have such a big surprise for you. I'm so excited give us 10 to 15 minutes to set up, you won't be sorry, something to that effect. So she goes off the stage and then the whole uh, backstage crew comes onto this big outdoor stage and we're all standing there and I'm maybe like 20 people back. So I have a pretty good view. And I'm just watching, like it was, it was really hilarious. Um, People are like all talking to themselves like, what the fuck is going on? They just started bringing on all this like upholstered furniture, like really nice sort of antique looking furniture. They took all the instruments off the stage and then just started putting furniture down and books and candles and um, things that had nothing to do with music. And so I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, are they going to put on a play? Like, are we going to do a roast? Like what, what is, what, you know, what's going on? I had no no concept of what was ahead. Um, some people behind me were making jokes about Joni Mitchell coming on, but I didn't really put much weight into it. Although in retrospect, I suppose that was a little bit of a foreshadowing. Um, so at the point when I saw mic stands come next to the furniture, I got a little bit more hopeful that we were in for some music. And then there were some instruments brought on and they, they wheeled a piano on the stage. And, um, 
yeah and so it was it was all set up sort of in a in a semi-circle kind of like a living room which was why I, I had a feeling that we were in for like a theater or roast but we weren't and and then all these musicians started coming on who had played music during the festival so they were um, all these musicians and I one of them was Winona Judd although I didn't hear her her perform and I think one of the other women that was sitting on the couch was Emmy Lou Harris who didn't sing but man I would have loved to have heard that um and there was a, a woman who was closest to the front of the stage whose name was Celise I have to say you know when you're on a stage like this I'm supposed to act really cool I'm supposed to just act like yeah 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 you know I'm just up here but I'm freaking out because this is a dream come true thank you Joni Mitchell for your existence thank you who can't even find on the bill. So if somebody watching this knows who this is, she was the black woman who played this song. I will put it in here. incredible version of Help Me I have ever heard um, in my life. Uh, that album, Court and Spark, is my favorite Joni Mitchell album and that song is like oh one of my one of my absolute Joni Mitchell favorites. So I was really excited that she played it and I also have like a huge um, I don't know gushy spot for people who do covers that are just so different from the original as you may have guessed because I do a lot of covers that are like super different from the original um, in my own music so I just love it when people put their own spin on it and I think that came from what or listening to Ava Cassidy because I just think so many of her her versions of songs are uh, better than the originals in a lot of cases but so she sang this, Help Me, and I got actually like the whole song. Um, oh, so beautiful. Thank you. 
I'm just so excited. Sorry. So, um, anyway, so she came on and there was this other guy who ended up singing, um, a few other songs. They were kind of the main people who actually led songs. We didn't know this yet, but okay. So, so then when everybody is sitting there and mind you, Joni is not on the stage yet. So we are still in the dark as to what is going on. Um, Brandy comes back onto the stage and everybody's excited. And um, another really sweet thing was that she was wearing this outfit that was like all these flower prints on her and they had all these sunflowers on it. And I had been seeing so many sunflowers throughout the whole weekend. Um, that I felt like we're, we're, we're into, you can see sunflowers are a big thing for me, right? Um, you can see, or, or I felt like they were like sort of the culmination of this event. It was like the universe telling me like something great's coming, something great's coming. So she was wearing the sunflowers and she does this really beautiful speech and I'll include some of it here. Now, when we come to Newport, we're not just here to listen to folk singers and hear great music, are we? And those of us over on this side of the fence are not just here to play it. We're here to keep something sacred alive. The power of the collective. It's got nothing to do with me. It's, it's the togetherness in this silence right now. 10,000 people being silent is more powerful than any U.S. government has ever been. Congregations like these ones terrify tyrannical world leaders and all power and money structures because it's in these moments where we might accidentally fully realize our potential as a collective. And the most radical and the most dangerous thing that we can unanimously experience together, and this is going to sound wholesome, but it's not, is love. Because if we love one another, we might defend one another. To power structures, folk music is and always has been utterly fucking destructive. So she, you know, she's talking about like the different music scenes and Haight-Ashbury and Motown and the Detroit scene and that there's this scene in Laurel Canyon and that um, and she used her, her birth name, which I don't remember, Joan Anderson. For the last three years, like a wayward transient gang standing around a barrel fire to warm our hands, we've been brought together in the living room 
of one Joan Anderson from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And the people recognized it. So at this point, we know that Joni Mitchell's songs are going to be sung, okay? So we're like clued in. And she she talks about these Joni jams that they have in Laurel Canyon where, you know, Joni Mitchell would be really exciting when Joni Mitchell would like, you know, give this kind of knowing smile, like something really great just happened when someone performed their own song or one of her songs or a song that she loved. To be Joni's ambassador for this and a harbinger of her vision is without question the greatest honor of my career and maybe even my life. Let the history show that this particular scene, like the aforementioned scenes, has a name. This scene shall be forever known henceforth as the Joni Jam. And so at this point I'm thinking, okay, Brandy Carlisle, you've been talking for a long time. And if Joni Mitchell is not coming out, like I am gonna be so disappointed. It's like, how can you have a jam session that you're calling Joni Jam and you're telling us that you're interacting with Joni Mitchell, um, but you're not bringing her on. I'm like, this is kind of cruel, you know? Um, I, wa I recently watched this Tig Navarro uh, special on Netflix and she did kind of a similar thing, alluding to the fact that the Indigo Girls were coming on, but then she kept like introducing them and they wouldn't come on. And it was like this joke because it was a stand-up thing. And then eventually they did come on and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> You can't do that. You can't do that to your audience. Um, but so she, she, you know, she was like, but thankfully she is here. Let's make history together. Hold nothing back in this moment. And please welcome back to the Newport stage for the first time since 
I I can't remember what the first song they did. What? And then Celise did this electric guitar um, version of Help Me that was just gorgeous. And Brandy did some songs. Constantly in the darkness, where's that? Maybe they want me, I'll be in the bar. On the back of a cartoon coaster. On the blue TV screen singing along it was really cute it wasn't like uber rehearsed it was very organic feeling and um Joni would like be singing along but like the words were not you know in sync which which was really sweet um and she has this really low voice now which I I mean I knew about because I've heard her her newer albums and her like more jazzy albums um where she has this very low voice <laughs> Summertime and the living is easy. Fish are jumping and the cotton is high. Presumably from from smoking and gravity and old age and all these you know beautiful things that happen to us um so yeah i i mean she the the then oh then they did which was really cute they did like um love potion number nine <laughs> songs but it's one that she loves and you'll hear I'll, I'll play the video she she does this like I took a drink <laughs> the, the hook <laughs> so cute and um and then what else why do fools fall in love because she really loves that acquainted with it at a festival in San Francisco I was in the lobby and Tim Harden who used to open for me from time to time he was a bad junkie and he 
sometimes was a no-show, but I heard that he was, he was playing there, and I, I went up to the desk and I said, can you tell me what room Tim Harden's in? And the desk guy just said, can't you see I'm busy? And, and so I turned around and I looked out into the lobby and there was a bar across the lobby, and out of the bar came a guy dressed like James Dean in Rebel Without a Cause, red cotton jacket, white shirt, blue jeans. Oh, yeah. And he was singing this song, Why Do Fools Fall In Love? So he's coming across the lobby singing this song. So I go out into the lobby and I join in with him. And we come back singing this song. And around the corner came a black doo-wop group called the Persuasions. Yes. And they joined in and we had so much fun and so i said to them would you like to come on the road with me <laughs> as you do and so we did and so we did we went on the road <laughs> and we sang this song and now it's like one of your favorite tunes so we learned to the jam for you and we're gonna do it right now Let's and um and then joni sang a few songs which was i mean i didn't realize this i saw in one news article that she hadn't performed in over two decades, I think. And like I said, I realized how special this gift was that I got to be there. Um, but I, in reading that, I didn't, like I knew this was gonna be historic. I knew that this was a historic event. I just didn't realize that like everybody would be hearing about this. And my mom would, my, my dad saw this as like a news article on, you know, like CNN or something like, or on, on some news feed that he, he follows online. It wasn't even like you have to be on social media. Uh, my dad's definitely not on social media. Um, so like so many people heard about this and I was like, I was, like, I was there, which, which is cool because I feel like there are, there aren't a lot of those kind of historic moments that we get to have the opportunity to participate in. Um, and this was one of them. The night before Paul Simon was on the stage, which I missed, but I wasn't upset about that because Paul Simon, although I love his music, he doesn't, it doesn't mean as much to me, but Joni Mitchell just means so much to me. Her music has meant so, so much to me. It has influenced the way that I write and, um, oh my God, I'm going to start crying. Like I was, I, I could not help sometimes, sometimes the tears were like tears of joy. And then other times it was like tears of just the knowing, um, that she wouldn't be with us for very much longer, but also like the lyrics of her songs are the ones that she did, especially like she did her last song was Circle Game, which she sang. This is a sing along. Yesterday, a child came out to wander. Caught a dragonfly inside a jar. Come on, sing along. I know it's amazing, but sing along. Fearful. The sky was so and tearful at the falling of the sky.
um, you know, her songs are quite long and, uh, and so hard, you know, harder to remember, especially, you know, for somebody who's, who's had an aneurysm. And so Brandy would like kind of cue her by telling her the first few words of a verse. Then the child the season. Yes. He skated over dead clear roads and streams. Words like when you're older must appeal. And promises of someday make his dreams. So that she could get it, which was so, so elegant. So, so sweet of her to do that. There was just such a beautiful um, camaraderie, and uh, you could tell uh, how honored Brandy felt to be in Joni's presence, but also just like it, she was sort of cute. She was sort of like, I could tell she was just so excited to show this off, you know, like, look at what we get to do. Um, so, but I was talking about the lyrics in the circle game. You know, the lyrics in the circle game are how your dreams kind of evolve, right? How you you come to this earth and you're just full of all this starry-eyed wonder and everything is new. And then, you know, you get a little bit, you get a little bit jaded, <laughs> but how everything, it, you know, just has a, um, kind of goes in this circular, circular fashion because we all, we all do it. <laughs> um, you know, and then the song before that that she did was Clouds, which of course is, it's a very similar message. The, the message in, in Clouds about how we, how we look at love. <laughs> to share what it was like being there and to share some of the footage that I took with you as part of this podcast. Um, I, I'm just so blessed. I feel so blessed that I got to be there. Uh, if, if you haven't heard my, my other Joni Mitchell story besides the way that she's influenced me, she also helped me move on from my marriage and uh, take take charge of my life at a time when I didn't think that I I could. Um, and the, the way that that happened was that I became the owner of the original album artwork for Song to a Seagull, her first album. Um, my dad bought it at an auction for like a hundred bucks and he knew how much she meant to me. So he gave that to me when he got his divorce from my mom. And it was it was in our, our house in, in Arizona. And I had thought about just finding out, just out of curiosity, what it was worth. 
um, but not like for any reason, just, just kind of out of curiosity because I've never owned any uh, original artwork before. So I ended up going onto the Joni Mitchell website, which is run by a third party, which is sort of funny. Um, and so it's like JoniMitchell.com, but it's not her website. It's, it's somebody, it's fan, it's like a fan website. And, but a lot of people um, post uh, buying and selling her artwork. I don't think she sells her own artwork. I, I think that it's mostly like people who have like inherited it through gifts or things like that. Cause as far as I'm aware, I don't think that she's interested in selling a lot of the stuff that she's made. Um, so I, I took some photos of it and people got kind of excited and started make, started making me offers. And this was before I was planning on getting a divorce. Um, I didn't really, I was like, eh, no, it's not, it's not worth it to me. But at the time that I had fallen in love with, you know, my current partner and I had decided that I really didn't need to make a transition in my life. Um, I realized that the artwork had sort of lost its um, lost its value, not in terms of its beauty or or its importance or its significance or anything, but just that I wasn't really it wasn't really adding much to my life to have it on my wall. Um, I, I didn't really get much from owning it, you know, um, and I felt like you know maybe somebody else would. So somebody made me a very generous offer and ended up flying out from the East Coast to my bank to give me a money order check. And at the time it was not, she was doing this like on faith. I mean, because I didn't have any proof that this was the original artwork for Joni Mitchell's album other than it looked like album artwork and it looked like the album artwork and it was done with pencil and, um, and I think maybe some paint but she wanted to roll it up so she could take it on the plane. So I ended up taking it out of the frame that I had it in that my dad had put it in. I'd never taken it out of the frame. And on the back of it was her signature. And I was like, oh, that was, that's, that's so perfect. Um, that's so great. But the, the reason she wanted this was that, and I always think money is so interesting because for her, for me, this was like life changing. And for her, this was like, you know, pocket money. Um, and she was a really lovely, lovely person. And she told me the story of why she wanted this piece. And it was because at the time that this album came out, she had to give up her child for adoption, her son, and that Joni Mitchell also had that happen to her. And so she always felt this connection with Joni Mitchell because of that experience. And she had reunited with her son and she wanted to leave this um, for him in, in her will. It was really important to her. And, and so like any, I always think about that because sometimes I go, oh gosh, it'd be really cool to have that piece again because it was so beautiful. But I think about, no, it went to the perfect person. It was like the, the perfect, it was just perfect. Um, I don't personally believe that we need to own things to enjoy them or own them forever for that matter um, to get value from them. So I felt really good about that. But that was another reason why this just, this meant so, so much to me um, because I've, I've had, I feel like she's shown up in my life, you know, in, in a spiritual sense um, 
at really important times for me. And uh, I just felt after one of the messages I got while she was singing is um, sometimes I feel a little, uh, I feel like maybe my songs are too long. <laughs> I feel like, you know, as I write a lot of words, my songs are really wordy. And I think my songs are really wordy because I started writing them as poetry and I started um, at a time when I was listening to a lot of her music and to a lot of Sarah McLaughlin and Fiona Apple and stuff, and they're very wordy and, and I'm a very wordy person as we can see. And, uh, sometimes I, I wonder like, Oh, you know, maybe I should be different. Maybe I should be like a little bit more laconic or, um, eliminate some verses from my songs or whatever. But, uh, they were singing Amelia from her Hegira album. And it just went on forever. It was such a pretty song, but I was like, wow, this has like nine verses. Um, and and I, re I remember like my guides being sort of like, yeah, see, your songs aren't too long. Um, so, and I just felt this surge of inspiration um, for writing new music. And, and especially, uh, this is something I had been pondering for a couple of days before that actually, but the the desire to create things um, with the intention of creating joy for people. Because I don't think that that's ever specifically been an intention of mine. I think music has been sort of a general type of expression. And I've definitely, um, with the mantra music, I think that that intention was sort of baked into it a lot of the time. But with my own songs, when I write, you know, English uh, English language autobiographical stuff. It's, it's usually about processing something difficult that's happening for me. And it's, it's kind of therapeutic. Um, so I, I just kind of got that, that ping too, which I really appreciated. Um, so I, yeah, I just felt so blessed in so many ways to be able to experience, uh, something so special that, you know, I think there were maybe 10,000 people there, which, isn't that many that got to experience this. It might be the last time anybody ever sees her live, you know, hopefully not, but it could be. And I, I got to be there. I, <sighs> yeah. So I'm feeling pretty rich, rich in experiences and uh, very grateful. So I wanted to share that inspiration um, I'm sure that there will be elements of this that create little pings within your psyche as I feel that it happens when we are drawn to stories. There's always something in it, you know, that we've been meaning to hear or listen more carefully to. So I hope that there's something in there for you and I will see y'all in the next episode. All right. I, oh, also I have a concert coming up online Sunday, August 9th, which I would love for you to join me for. It's very sweet. We uh, meet on Zoom and we all chant together and sing together and it's a really beautiful experience. So please check that out on my website, surgancar.com. You can get a ticket just for the concert or if you're a subscriber to my healing modality, Body Cello, um, which includes four classes a month as well as the concert and uh, the on-demand classes. So you get the whole library of classes that I've previously taught. It's a very soothing modality. I'm really proud 
of um, having channeled slash created this because I feel that it's really important for people to be able to express through their voice. And I think that so many of the exercises that singers do are actually healing, um, have healing powers and they don't, um, they don't use them that way. And most people who aren't singers have never used them. And um, there's just something really magical that happens when you move sound in your body and you move with sound. And I learned this through doing Kundalini Yoga, that sound and movement work really nicely together with breath, which is what this is. Um, but this is not, um, it's not Kundalini Yoga. And it is, it's very gentle and nourishing and a much more um, fluid and feminine sort of uh, modality. So it was something that was missing in my life and uh, is present again. So what's nice about the subscription is that it's, uh, it's only $5 more than the concert. So it's, if you wanna do the body cello, it's a really good deal because you get the concert basically. Um, you get all the body cello for just $5 more a month um, than just the concert itself. So, all right, well, that's it. I will see you in the next podcast.